You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 107 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm in the Christmas spirit. It's awesome. Yes. And uh, little Gazza is sleeping at my feet and he's got a Christmas collar on, which oh. I probably need to take off if he gets up and walks around because it's got little jingle bells. It's oh, very cute. That's so cute. <laughs> and, of course, it Gazza would... is Gary, you know, yeah. uh, with Gina's multi shih tzu. Is yeah, right? and it's it's the Australian like way of saying a name. You just yeah, like short Gaza, Daza, Daza, Jono. Yeah, Mick go no Mick. <laughs> you just got to shorten everything or yes. make it longer, yes. I guess. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. You could. How do you make it longer? Gaza more, but that's uh, adding a bit of like ethnicity. Ethnicity to it. I'll call him anything. He comes, you know. He speaks a couple of languages. Very clever, my dog. Not not as clever as your cats, Valerie Koo. Super clever. Super like clever. Genius. Like they're in Mensa, aren't they? Both of them. They are. Or is it they're... just pets? Uh, well, they're no. They're both. Well, that's genetic. So they're both very clever. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's lovely because. Uh, so it's it's very late. It's like, you know, Christmas in a few days. I know. I just got my tree. Uh, and so because, I, I, like, I've been away, Val. It's been tough. So That's okay. So I went yesterday in search of a tree. Do you think I could find one? Because I don't want a fakie. I like the smell of the real Christmas tree. And uh, couldn't find any and then um, got onto Google and uh, there's this guy that you just order online and he delivers it and he brings it in and, um, yeah, fantastic. And it's beautiful. It's really fluffy because last year the same thing happened, surprise, surprise. And at the 11th hour we did the mad ring around and uh, found one and (laughs) the saddest tree arrived because it was like – the 11th hour and it was kind of like you know the one that when you go to get the tree there's always one that everyone overlooks yeah. <laughs> no one wants to take it home <laughs> yeah we got that one last year was on a, tree. It was, we got the rescue tree oh. it was on a lean it had like you know half its branches missing it had it had character Val okay sure you had, this had one, character. you probably made it look like a supermodel this supermodel one, tree yeah uh, this one is just so good looking. It's really? very fancy. It's full and uh, it just looks like, you know, a tree you'd see in a, on a movie set. It's it probably beautiful. looks better than my tree. My tree's still in the in its plastic box. You haven't put your tree up, Val? No, I keep meaning to. I put some tinsel up the other day, but I need to get the tree out. In fact, I will do that tonight. Yeah. Yes, and yes. Uh, yeah, so and uh, I've also been to the bottle shop, Val, and uh, uh, bought yes. champagne. Excellent. But <laughs> it's looking good. I'm going, well, you know, it's not going to hurt to have a bottle before, like, you know, and then, but it'll always be, you know, I'll end up having to go back and restock, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I haven't touched any yet, though, Val. No, we I'm are not, we are not no. uh, recording this podcast, no. drinking champagne or anything like start, that. That could be a good tradition to start, though, wouldn't it? The Christmas yeah, edition. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, let us move on to this week's episode. And yeah. it is, uh, but before we talk about this week's topic, which is photography trends for 2015, what a 
am I talking about? I am meant to be saying. Two thousand and fifteen. I know that's ridiculous, isn't it? Photography trends for two thousand and seventeen and how to achieve them. But before we get onto that, we have some shout-outs, and the first one is to Christy Louise Hurd. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, Christy. uploaded a an amazing uh, image that she took uh, when she was out and about in London and she says that she passed a Vietnamese restaurant and caught these shots on my Sony A5000 and that's her go-to camera when taking short trips. I need a go-to camera because my iPhone has cacked itself, which is like another Australian phrase where it doesn't work. The camera's not working <laughs> on it. It doesn't itself. focus. So uh, I don't have a little – that was my go-to camera for those sorts of things. So I'm going to have to either upgrade or do something. But So she's got a little zippy, which I think is a great thing to have, either a phone or just something really portable that you can just throw in your bag. And when you see moments like this that Christy did, you can just uh, take a quick snap. Great for practicing, getting your eye in there and capturing those moments. And so there's a guy in a Vietnamese restaurant she shot – him through the glass and uh, Mm. it's raining so there's uh, water droplets on the glass she's focused on the water droplets and then Mm. beyond there there's like uh, he's cooking rice and that's all steaming away so that's a bit of atmos in the uh, in the environment in the middle ground and you can just make out the figure of the chef so it's a really intriguing and interesting image and because it's like again it's not laid out everything in front of you you have to really look into it and kind of you know try and work it all out and I really really love this image I think you've done a great job Chrissy it's beautiful it's got yeah. so much uh, to it fantastic we also have a beautiful image from Beth Alexander and Beth has done some macro photography and of course you can see any of these images that we're referring to in the show notes at ginamilitia.com that's M-I-L-I-C-I-A but what Beth has done is she's taken some macro shots of actual snowflakes and these snowflakes just uh, are on I think it could be wood, some some kind of bark some, some or something, or something like that. Like that? Yeah, I think so. And it's wet. Well, obviously, because dirt. It's not. We have so much experience with snow, don't we? It's just like it's so unbelievable to me. It doesn't look real, and the snowflakes look like when I first saw them. I thought they're you know that tinsel that you buy at the the two dollar shop. Yes. That's that's what it looks like to me. They just yeah. don't look real. Like you know, yeah. when you cut out little bits of foil, or you can get like little, um, uh, you know, bits of like, little decorative. That's what it looks like to me. It just doesn't look like a real photo, but it is. It's a macro shot of a snowdrop. You know, a snowflake and Both and. Snow- and because it's macro, it is every tiny little strand of the snowflake it can be seen and they are just beautiful. They're, they're literally works of art. They are. They're so beautiful and uh, I, I, I absolutely love them. And uh, Beth also uh, sent in a, uh, a question regarding yep. uh, one of these images. Do you want yes. to read that, Belle? Sure. So Beth has asked, need some advice on individual print requests. I've had some requests for my snowflake images and I don't, I mean, I'm not surprised. They're amazing. Uh, And Beth says, but I really don't know how to price for that. It's not like I was hired to do a job. Is Mm. there some type of formula I could use to calculate what I should charge outside of the print and or framing costs? Any advice would really help. Well, Uh, Val, what do you think? What do I think? Okay. Well, I think in the first instance, you need to determine what your costs are uh, just so that you know, you know, so there's there's no surprises for you. And also you need to, um, especially if you're selling these, go to a decent quality print, you know, a decent quality lab. So there's a difference. All, All labs are not created equal. And the kind that you get at the local Kinko's or whatever is totally different to the kind of quality you get at a professional lab. So make sure you yep. choose a lab that's going to give you some decent quality 
you know, prints. Having mm. said that, don't be afraid, especially if you live in a big city and you've got options to shop around because what I, is quite bizarre is some lab, is labs can really vary in their pricing. So make sure you've got a decent balance of um, – uh, quality and pricing just so that you're aware of what the costs are and of course some labs will charge cheaper for multiple prints like if you yeah. print 10 or 20 or 100 versus one and make sure you just get the one that the price for one as well just so that you know as well and i suggest that at the very minimum, you know that you can't sell it for less than whatever the, 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 the highest amount is for what your costs are going to be. And uh-huh. then in terms of what you actually charge, I think that you should charge the amount that you're, that you're happy to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, always assuming it's, 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 it's going to be higher than the most expensive potential cost, of course. Now, I don't believe in charging industry benchmarks. I don't believe in charging the, in the, the, the standard for the market or whatever. I, I think that um, uh, you need to charge what you are happy that to, to receive for that print. And even if the person next to you, like say you is is heaps less or heaps more, it doesn't matter because if you charge the one that's heaps less or, or heaps more, it's you know it's 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 you shouldn't really compare yourself. I think that if you are happy to receive a certain amount, then um, if somebody's willing to pay for it, then everyone's a winner. Fantastic. So, well you know? said, Val. Hmm. That's good. And um, I love the uh, heaps less or heaps more. <laughs> oh, is that funny? It's just so Australian. We just no, get more Australian as we go along. Yeah, I, um, so. I just want to add to that, um, Beth, is if there's uh, you start to feel a little bit of anxiety about the fact that you're actually charging for your work for a print and a lot of uh, new photographers go through that. It's like, well, what should I charge? Should I charge at all? Should I just be adding a little bit on top of the cost? Um, here's, here's how I think about it. When I'm uh, pricing prints, I actually throw in the cost of the paper and the materials for nothing. Right, mm-hmm. based on the fact that uh, the cost of the image is um, it's not based on the 10 minutes or the five minutes or the 30 seconds it took me to take the shot, which is the thinking of a lot of people. Well, you know, you're a photographer, it took you three seconds to take that shot, so based on an hourly rate of you know, blah blah blah, then it should cost you two bucks for that print. No, the image didn't take that long to, sh- to shoot, it actually took however many years I've been shooting plus the time I've spent reading every book, blog, video, all the study I've ever done, all the time I've done outside of hours, like learning all these skills. So Beth, in order for you to uh, shoot uh, uh, that uh, snowflake as macro, you had to learn how to shoot macro. It's not easy so all the skill that got you to here has to be factored in the creation of that shot also uh they're paying for your unique vision how you see that's everything you've done in your life leading to the point that you took that photo needs to be factored in um and uh as well as, uh, you know, the fact that you need to value what you do because if you don't value your own work, no one else will. So you're selling your skill and your vision and it shouldn't ever be compared to um, one of the, the crappy images from Walmart that, you know, someone just spits out of their camera that they just did spend 30 seconds and no thought on. So that's just uh, my 20 cents, 30 cents there <laughs> as well. So, but but it, it, that's a, just a really important thing that uh, you know you need to remember when you're pricing your work because like really uh, a lot of people look at it as the, it's the materials that they're looking at and that's what that, that, that people are sort of gobsmacked when, you know, photographers are charging two, three, four hundred, four thousand, forty thousand for a print, whatever, because they think, well, it's some paper and some chemicals. It's not. It's mm. everything else that goes into it. And that's the struggle of an artist is, uh, you know, um, 
that, that a lot of people need to be educated about exactly what goes in to creating a work of art. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great advice, Gina. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to this week's topic, which is what are the photography trends for 2017 and how to achieve them? And I think this is really interesting because I must admit that I haven't given a great deal of thought myself into hmm. – photography trends for 2017 I've probably seen some potentially but uh you know I I was reading the other day that the Pantone the new Pantone color of the year is this sort of pea green color pea Um, green Mm. are you gonna put some pea green in your wardrobe Val do you wear um, green no because it was my school color ah really did Mm. you have tartan in your uniform in the, did you wear the skirt with tartan? There wasn't a lot of tartan, no. It was just no a, tartan. A, it was no. just a solid green. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just yeah. now picturing little Valerie Koo in a school uniform. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a blazer? Yes, yes, we had a blazer. And a skirt? Yes, a skirt. Pleated? In, in the most unattractive Ooh. colours. Um, yeah. yeah, it was pleated, yep. Bottle green mm. pleated. Mm. Um mm. Yeah, blazer, hat. We had to wear a hat every hat. single day. Yeah. Gloves? We did have gloves, but we Oh my didn't, god. We, we didn't have to wear them, especially in summer. Uh-huh. Stockings? Mm. But if we were going to wear gloves, there were regulation gloves. Right. Yeah. Stockings, there were we had to wear stockings every day. So what, stock- even in summer. Um when you reached I think year 11 or 12, yeah. <gasps> really? Mm. We're brought up to be ladies, weren't you, Valerie? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, look what happened. <laughs> you still are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, had... green, you're never going to wear it. No, no. And I avoid green generally. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it it was a bizarre time school. You know, we even had like elocution lessons and Uh it's just like big time. And because we didn't, (laughs) and you can tell, but yours did Val that like, I think every school should, did you, did you have to do, what, what do you do for elocution lessons? Is it that rain in Spain? No, so Miss, Miss, Mrs. Gig took the lessons Uh and um, yeah, we just, you're listening. Yeah, she's probably gone now. Um, But uh, yeah, we had to read all different things and say all different things. We didn't do the rain in Spain. That was probably a little bit uh, contrived. But um, yeah, we did that. I remember we went to those elocution lessons in the little cottage um, that was next to the school. That's where Mrs. Gig was. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a difference. Yeah, that's right. But let us not can keep on talking about the subjects that I did at school. I also did the flute in that little cottage and um, a number of other yeah subjects. But uh, let's move on to the photography trends for 2017, shall we? Sure. Where do we start in that one? Well, 2016, you have to say, was a year of uncertainty, particularly in politics. And so when you have a year like that where uh, there was a lot of um, surprises uh, in in all the elections that happened, big surprises that, you know, Mm. were really unexpected for for everyone. Not many people picked the results that we got. Um, mm. And then there was also a lot of uh, distrust about news news sources, uh, you know, because the news sources were saying that everything would go a certain way and it went another way. And then there's all these reports about fake news coming out. There's so, so this this general air of distrust about the whole system. So when something like that, you get a year like that. Um, 2017, in an attempt to counter all the shite that went down, they're going for like uh, authentic 
authenticity is going mm. to be the new black. So that's going to be reflected um, in uh, all kinds of trends uh, throughout fashion and uh, design and uh, certainly photography. So what we're going to be seeing uh, in terms of images is a more authentic look to the images. So what I mean by that, there'll be simplicity. We'll be seeing um, less of the overdone uh, filters. Like uh, Instagram is like, it's kind of, it, it's sort of over. Every, everyone, it's out there. It's been done to death. People are getting sick of it. So we're starting to see trends coming through uh, in advertising campaigns and editorial spreads where it's the no filter look. It's a real clean and honest look to photography. Um, sort of more a back to nat- nature look in the aesthetics as well. You're sort yeah. of seeing like your green that you mentioned. Mm. So a lot more sort of, uh, you know, natural looking uh, backgrounds. Back to basics in the feel as well. So in terms of like the no filter look, but also uh, more simplicity in the not over, so overdone. I wonder if that trend will continue on into uh, sort of uh, over enhancing people's bodies like over botoxing over plumping over bleaching over nails i wonder if that Mm. look that whole uh barbie overdone Mm. might Mm. go out of fashion but what happens what happens if you are there already how do you undo that i just wonder what do you do yeah i don't know can there must be well can you well botox can wear off and you can get you can, I suppose, get – what's the opposite of implants? De-implanted? It deflate. <laughs> deflate. <laughs> just, just like you let the air out. Yeah, yeah, that might work. <laughs> but a lot of people do have them removed, like they have yes, the implants yes. and then that because – well, well, you know, yes, it has already happened because the flat chest is now back in fashion. Right. Okay. Okay. So mm. there, there's a reaction to uh, the, and and another sort of uh, lean toward you know lean towards authenticity. You're going to also see uh, a '90s revival um, in in terms of photography and design and sort of all things '90s. So fashion as well. Mm. And this is because like uh, a lot of uh, the millennials born in the 90s are coming into sort of, uh, you know, more uh, higher-end roles uh, as yeah. in advertising and marketing. And so they're going to have more control over the look of uh, campaigns, marketing campaigns and advertising campaigns, and they're going to go back to where they grew up. So uh, that you'll see a lot of uh, sort of 90s look in, in the photography style. So think like Herb Ritz and Mablethorpe, two of my favourite uh, photographers. So, so that sort of uh, honest style of photography as well because yeah. from that is where the supermodel uh, started and uh, uh, and uh, we, you started to see the trend where the, the, the model was no longer just this um, sort of person on the cover of the magazine that you, no one really paid that much attention to. She was mm. just there. She wasn't really an icon, but all of a sudden models became uh, famous and m- more famous than celebrities for, for yes. a long time. Uh, so so that, that'll be big. The other big thing, and I've been noticing this uh, for a few years, um, studio photography it's kind of almost over for a lot of uh, really? advertising campaigns. So, you know, wow. obviously there's still a need for studio photography when it comes if you're shooting uh, products and food mm. and mm. Uh, lookbooks and things Interiors. like that. Yeah, where you need to control uh, lighting and uh, the look of the shot. So when you're doing, you know, thousands and thousands of shots, it would be ridiculous to try and shoot all that on location because once you step outside into the elements, everything slows down. You you can't shoot as quickly. So there's still there's still going to be a huge demand in sort of the commercial uh, area of photography, but a lot of uh, advertising campaigns are, are really sort of, ta- uh, you know, street photography is starting to become more mainstream. And I'm so noticing you'll see, that. Yeah, mm. yeah. So mm. you'll see more of that uh, authentic look in ads. And, um, you, like, you, you start to see it now in commercials, and, and I have noticed it where there's uh, ads that are, that are shot to look like 
they were done fly on the wall by yep. lower end cameras that just happen because people are over being advertised to. It's very difficult to uh, run a campaign that looks like an advertising campaign because obviously uh, consumers are very savvy now and they don't want to be sold to. So uh, advertisers are looking at sort of um, uh, sneakier ways to, to, to get into, you know, people's, uh, you know, um, social media streams and if it looks like it was shot underground and leaked mm. online mm. people are going to go oh my god look at this this is amazing i just someone told me about this this isn't an ad uh and uh like someone leaked a uh, particular footage of uh, a car that's not meant to be seen or mm. like you know ads that look like they're real testimonials shot on the fly uh mm. and made to look like you know the camera's like really wobbly it's grainy it's like like low end, but they're mm. all shot with complete crews, mm. you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, normal amount of money that they spend on the campaign, but they deliberately make it look grungy and like it was shot uh, in someone's backyard. So, and <laughs> so my question there is, do you think that, so obviously they've got, as you say, they've got complete crews, but the crew is trying to achieve a very simple look do you think that those things could have actually been achieved on a lot less equipment a lot fewer crew and with you know something really basic like shoot it all on an iphone valve or whatever yeah i mean which is what they're trying to make it look like they're trying to make it look like yeah yes you could and then put it out there, but I think that the uh, the agencies and the clients would be very nervous to do it that way because it, it, it's like, well, then it's so low end. What what happens after that? That, that everyone needs to justify their job. So I don't yes. think an advertising agency is ever going to turn around and go, um, Jan in accounts is actually really good on the iPhone. Mm. Let's just get her to do it. And uh, her son, uh, the intern, mm. he can he can uh, do the uh, the sound. Well, it's like when, I think I mentioned this on another episode, when I was recently filmed by um, a large corporation for their campaign, I was chatting to the crew, so to the actual film crew, and they were telling me that when they do some of their big ads, you know, like car ads and, you know, stuff like that, yeah. um, they uh, – often just produce bring a whole heap of extra equipment that doesn't actually need to be there just so that they can yep. impress the client and yep. um, uh, justify their big bill essentially. Yes, so it's uh, it is a concern, um, and uh, yeah, but that's just the trend. They just want it to have that gritty look. So I don't know where it'll go from there, but expect to see a lot more of this uh, grittier style of uh, photography and advertising. So, what else are you seeing in terms of trends for two thousand and seventeen? So looking into my crystal ball. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, do you remember when we went to see that um, psychic in New York together? Yeah. How bizarre was that? That was hilarious. <laughs> Wasn't it? So oh for, yeah, if, if, for anyone who's interested, basically Gina and I were in New York and we went to Starbucks and as we were coming back, uh, with our Starbucks coffees to our hotel, we passed by this door that said, um, I think psychic readings or tarot readings or something yeah. for $10. And, you know, yeah. we're not into that, but we just thought it would be hilarious. So we walked into this place and it was literally a hallway. Of, it was a hallway. That's yeah. what it was with a table in it. it yeah, was she, she had set up. Room. She had set up a card table literally in the corridor, literally in the hallway of a building. It was not even her apartment. It was on, on the <laughs> bottom corridor of her of, of the building. So anyone could have walked past at any time. And um, we had one there. <laughs> it was bizarre. But why do you ask? 
Why do you, why did you bring that up, Gina? I just thought of it because you said crystal ball, so you know oh. that, was, that was yeah yeah. Um, okay. So looking into my crystal ball, well, yes. <laughs> black and white is going to be big, and it's already right. uh, it's already growing in popularity, and and mm. and this is again to counter the trend of uh, all the uh, garish filters on Instagram. Can you see I'm not giving Instagram much love at the no, moment? No, you're not. Um, so it's also it was also very very popular in the 90s. So you're yes. saying that there's going to be a 90s revival. Uh, well, Black and so. White was huge in the 90s. Yeah, so but you're seeing um, a lot of uh, black and white in the youth culture magazines and also like advertisers, again, in an attempt to cut through because think about it, there's billions of photos posted every day. There's just so much noise out there. Mm. Uh, so Everywhere you look, there's images. Everyone's posting their images. So how do you uh, put out, put out images that are going to stand out? black and white and the thing about black and white is uh that the image stands out because once you take away all the cover color it's about the strength of the image so this yeah. is an attempt to, to to make photography stand out again again uh amongst all the uh, all the other stuff that's out there so you're going to see a lot more black and white which is really cool you're also going to see a lot more flash photography where the flash is visible mm. which is everything <laughs> i've been trying to teach people not to do. What do, what do you mean? What do you mean well, by well, the flash so, is visible? So flash, when we all first got our, you know, flash on camera, we started doing that paparazzi style of photography. Yeah. It wasn't about using more fill light or d- diffusers to, and modifiers to soften the light. And the, the trend was to uh, light in a way that wasn't obvious. It looked very natural. Now the trend, and particularly you see it a lot in uh, the youth culture magazine is like obvious flash so you see the hard edge so if you photograph someone who's close to a wall you're going to see their outline against the, oh, against the wall so it's obvious it's high contrast photography right. in a really um uh obvious looking uh style of flash and mm. uh but then that that'll get interpreted and softened and modernized as well so it might you might see sort of that style of photography but maybe bringing in another flash off camera just to soften uh, the, the, the harshness of the shadow or okay. maybe using ring lights to give you a, a sort of a kinder, more gentler uh, looking flash and still have that edgy look, but it's going to be a lot more flattering on people. So it's, it's a really cool look. So that combined with the black and white and the next trend, Val, mm. is very exciting. Film and Polaroid coming Film. back. Big time now. Do you mean? Do you mean, do you mean like using film, using you... film in film cameras? The old school, old right. school, and it's already like um, hipsters and uh, you know all the millennials are right into it. My son loves his uh, um, film photography. That, that it, and it's again, it's back to authenticity, Val, because right. it's like you can't. Um, you know, sort of spend too much time uh, manipulating a shot that's done on film or checking or, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, chimping the back of the screen because there isn't one. You you take the shot, you've got a limited number of frames, so the shot is going to feel like a lot more organic and natural because it's just a matter of snap. You hope you get the shot, but there isn't all that checking and rechecking mm. that happens uh, in the moment and um, removing stuff in the background and it just like you just have to trust your instincts and uh, and take the shot, which is kind of really cool. So and uh, I've I've I'm so excited by this trend, and I've kept all my film cameras uh, that I'm trying to track down one twenty millimeter film for my um, RZ67. Yes, so the, the the on that point, then uh, it's surely it's hard to come by film these days, you know, easily. Not to mention a processing lab. For film, they're, for they're many around. people. And um, so uh, I've actually uh, put a link in the show notes uh, to a, um, uh, a places where you can buy film for your cameras. So you can actually get it. Do you I mean actually, online? I, 
you can buy it online. You can also buy it in uh, lots of local photography shops. Have uh, limited supplies. It's lot, not like I don't think you can walk in. Like the bigger camera stores do stock it, um, and uh, other smaller camera stores will order it in, and you can buy it online. So it's certainly plentiful. And then there's places that will uh, process your film. They'll give you back your negatives. They'll also scan them as uh, as digital files as well. So you can take them home, and you don't need to set up a dark room in your laundry but that would be cool as well um, mm. but you could just uh, work uh, work the files off your computer instead but you still get that film look and it's kind of you know the best of both worlds I guess so, I guess so it's exciting so um, yeah wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go and like I just I'm kicking myself for giving away like give, give, throwing away all my mm. enlargers and um, all the uh, paraphernalia that went with it because I could have easily set up a little dark room. You in my threw them away. away. Yeah. Why? Because I, I was carting them everywhere from studio to studio. And the last move, I said, I just, I can't. I just can't keep, you know. And I had an enlarger that was like um, a huge one, like a industrial size enlarger. And I just didn't have the space for it. And wow. it was like at that point, it was like, this is never going to come back. <laughs> Famous last words. And now I think you see um, – Sales of secondhand cameras will start to go up again, again as, as like the interest gets uh, hotter and hotter for film. So it's the it's what all the cool kids are doing, Val. And, I'm interested uh, to know whether it will. I'm interested to know whether it will be a phase because, of course, film uh, buying film and processing film is more expensive, and it certainly it's adds to the expensive. cost base. It mm. really is, and uh, even like the couple of rolls that I bought, I went, "What? How much?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, mm. I haven't even processed them." I remember those days, and you just had to factor that whole cost uh, into the shoot. And it's not like you know you could shoot hundreds of rolls of film on a day. You you, mm. you had like a limited number, and and that's what you had to do. So yeah, so look out for those uh, t- trends. Um, wow. Yeah, it's ex- I think it's really exciting. Um, and then you'll see uh, patterns making a comeback as well. So like uh, retro patterns on, on walls uh, behind, you know, for portrait shots you can have like uh, – and that's going against where it was like everything was uh, very bland and sort of um, minimalist. We go the mm. other way. And mm. uh, so you'll see lo- lo- lots more of uh, patterns in the background. So maybe uh, look out for wallpapers that you can use in the background. So yeah. we're replacing – Placing Val, the staged images uh, that, that like really set up overdone, inauthentic kind of shots that you see yeah. everywhere. That's going out. And, you know, that shot that you see, the walking from behind shot where someone's taking that, like it's been done to death, done to oh, death. Oh, you, do you mean over. where the girl is has a hand outstretched yeah. behind uh, her uh, and the person taking the yeah. photo is holding yeah. onto her hand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first time it was great. The four millionth time you see it, you kind of go, yeah. well, no. So, and, so you know, keep this in mind when, like, you, you're putting shots like that. It, and this is great. Like, if you see it and you love it, by all means, do it. But just remember that, like, if your folio is filled with stuff that you've seen and, like, you're behind the trends, Mm. um, it's very, very difficult for your stuff to stand out. So, um, you know, just just bear that in mind. So all of that fake emotion and the the overuse of filters, so everything kind of being overdone, uh, Mm. we're going to go the other way. So um, I wonder what that's going to do to Instagram if people just are posting stuff, uh, no filter. Uh, it, it has to be about the photography, so uh, it, there's a chance for mm. the photographers to really step up and stand out. Um, Somehow, so- I think that the people who will be po- who are posting their selfies are not going to be relinquishing their Instagram filters very soon. The softy ones, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. So maybe you know, you if know it's not a selfie. <laughs> I would just like to say, Gina, you obviously – I know you give me shit about uh, me posting (laughs) selfies, but can I just say you must never actually look at my Instagram because there's hardly any on there. So there you go. I'd just (laughs) like to say that. 
<laughs> I see all your shots, Val. They're great. The cat shots, they're fantastic. They've got so much personality. And, and then you've stepped up and you've done like you've done a few this year that I've gone, Val, excellent. They're Many just guy behind did the scenes. You shot. did a starburst. I know, but I'm saying I'm not sat talking about that. I'm saying that you give me shit about posting selfies all the time, oh, and I don't. do not. No. You've toned so then, it down a lot lately. Oh, That's my cool. God. Listen, <laughs> listen to her. Anyway. So we're going to be seeing a lot of real-life scenarios, Val. So, like, what do you, you mean? know, um, when you see advertising shots, it's going to look like it really is a day in the life of someone or it's really happening, uh, unfolding before our eyes, and it's going to feel like you're in the moment um, and unposed. Right. And, and you'll see, like, images of women that um, care more about what they're doing rather than what they look like. So, you know, warrior <laughs> women out there running, uh, oh. you know, and they're not fully made up with the full face of makeup and, like, you know, the complete uh, matching outfit and the beautifully clean shoes. Sure. I, I see women at the gym like that. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> Just like, you see, but, like, no one looks like that when they're running. The, you know, the reality is mm. when you're running – <laughs> your hair's sweaty. It's stuck to your face. You must, if you've got mascara on, it's already run down. Like you don't look great, but no. it's like that look is real. And it's like that, that, that tough warrior woman, women getting stuff done, which is very cool. And that Polaroid style uh, as well um, is really cool. So, so maybe slightly pastel look to the images rather than mm. oversaturated. Mm. And, um, uh, you're going to see stuff with maybe more mess in the background, so it's less pristine. It's more about real life, so it's that warts and all style of shooting. Mm. And then you're going to see like more of a combination of tech and lifestyle. You know, what are people doing with, with their tech gear and how are they using it, but more in a real life way rather like than what? a setup. You know, so like um, people, uh, you know, in, uh, walking along on their bike with their buds on. You know, you might see the 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 the, the tat sleeve as well or they're they're at work but you you know you'll see them at the computer but you know there'll be flare on the lens more realistic flare in the background you know that sort of look they might have their doggy by them side by their side or they're taking a selfie but you'll see the you know the mess on the picnic rug and and you know things like that sitting on the couch really cool shots like that 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 look like you're in the moment will they be actually set up to look like that they are real if you know what i'm saying so Here's the thing. If you want to create shots like that and you mm. go around and you're really good, then you you could get lucky and you you and you've got a you know great eye, you're going to get a few of those shots where just everything uh conspired in your favor mm. and you managed to get you nailed the the shot but the reality mm. is like you know you want to get the lifestyle shot of the girl with the surfboard coming out of the surf, right? That was and me you just this morning. Cap- you capture the moment, right? I know that whenever I Did go to the beach, you just hear me? I'm... You went to the surf. Yes, I said that was me this morning. I got You're no response kidding. from you. I didn't believe it. I blanked. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, no, wait, wait. So let's track back. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to hijack the podcast. I'm I was just shock. very excited about it, and that's why I so, wait, shared wait, wait. it. That's Did all. you take your shoes off? I did. I we, took, we, not, we, did you go in the water, like all the way in? I did. So did you Gina, get your hair wet? Gina's saying this because I moved to a beachside a suburb uh, more than 18 months ago, almost two years ago, and have not set foot <laughs> in the water in, at the beach, you, but I did this you, morning. Are you having a breakdown? What's happened? What, what, <laughs> what's wrong? I did. I went did to the water. Did you fall in? What happened? I did I fall in? <laughs> did you deliberately go to the beach? I did this morning at 8.30. Was it a dare? At 8.30? What I know. happened? Who are you? I what's know. Wrong? What this what is... did I do with Valerie? <laughs> what? <laughs> I my even God. donned a wetsuit. Oh my God. Mm. And how do you feel? Yeah, it was fun. This is amazing. The <laughs> earth's about to spin off its axis. Oh my God. <laughs> I just can't cope. <laughs> yes. But I didn't do a selfie or capture any photography of it. 
No, that was because it's like the moment is better just remembered, don't you think? Yes, it was But fun. if we were to capture that and if I was, yes, there, all right. the reality was mm. I know when I go to the beach, Val, mm. and, I, you know, you go in, you dive in the water, in your head you're thinking this is like just like Baywatch. Like there Blue Crash. You know, I d- dive in and when I come out, my hair is going to be flicked and slicked back perfectly. Yeah. yeah. And my bathers will be exactly as I put them on. <laughs> Everything will be where it's supposed to be yeah. and nothing jiggles when I move, right? Yeah, and that's, sand that's will not in go into every no bit. sand, mm. but the reality is when you come out of the water, there's mm. like usually a trail of snot coming down your face. Pretty much. Yeah. Your hair is looks like a bird's nest and there's yeah. probably bits of seaweed there, bits mm. coming out of your teeth as well. And honestly... Mm. The swimsuit's usually the other way around, so it's not happening <laughs> much, you know. That's what happens in real, and you've usually got like a bucket of sand in places where sand should, should never not be. be. No, sand should not be. Correct. Um, so, capturing those shots, those in the moment shots, uh, mm. are very difficult to do. But you can stage them. You, you, you. They're the kind of shots that you need to just spend some time. You think about what you want to do and you can still get that vibe and make it look really natural, but you sort of control a few of the elements. Like you wouldn't right. have the, you wouldn't have the model going under the water. You'd have the makeup artist spray her hair so it looks beautiful. You get her all set up. And then I just get her to, um, you know, run – into the water and then run back towards me and run into the water and run back towards me and keep doing it until she's forgotten the camera's there. But I'm just trying to control as many of the elements as possible. Obviously, you can't control where the splash goes and things like that. So mm-hmm. hopefully there's a lucky wave that'll that'll splash at the right level and you get that shot and you get that natural reaction, but you're trying to control a little bit more uh, of where the frame is and uh, how the shot looks and the light as well. So, so uh, when you're saying run you would get the model to run towards you presumably as you're taking a series of shots as she runs towards you and then go back um about what kind of distance like how much would you would you just take it like a couple of running steps or would you actually get her to do i tend to get them to do quite a few because it's sort of like the first one they're they're self-aware the second third and then it's kind of like by the fourth that they they get a stride and the reason i get them no no i don't mean no 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 i don't mean um how many times you get them to do it. No, I mean, how many steps they do. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. That, okay, so, like, all right. You know, it might be 10, 10 or 15 steps just to okay. so that I can um, get it get in tune with the stride because you've got to get in sync with them as well because you can actually photograph someone walking or running towards you and you're in sync but you're in sync in the wrong way so you can keep you you fire when their foot is in the wrong spot yes it's like getting someone to have a good stride a good looking stride when they're walking you can either capture them when their their foot is back or foreshortened and it never looks good but and and if you're in 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 a rhythm doing that you're going to get them doing that every time they step because you're in step with them so i try and just try and get the right rhythm going so that's why i usually have a a few runs and uh, get it right and then it's all about getting the um getting the expression right so running back and forth so like it really is uh it's kind of controlled uh Mm. and there is like um you know sort of boundaries that i'll give them so i said here's here's my edge of frame stay between these sorts of like i might give them visual cues and i'll also give them visual cues of how far to go and then when to turn Mm. around and come back Uh, and i'm usually long lens and way back so i'll have to come up to them tell them what to do brief them and then let them go rather than yelling out to them, just sort of right. hope that they'll, they'll get it right um, the, the, the whole time or have someone in between me and the model sort of relaying what I'm saying. So, you know, I'll call out to the person and then the person relays it to the model and yeah. then, it, you know, shoot that way. So that, that that's that sort of, um, you know, lifestyle as it happens in the action. And the other way to do it is like re- getting close with a, uh, a wide angle lens. So if you're like maybe a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer and you're capturing event, and this is what I used to do when I used to shoot a lot of events, events, events uh, uh, and if I, uh, if I did a few um, sort of high end 50ths and 40ths for corporates and things like that, but I would make sure that's like, uh, I would uh, insist that I was a guest, that I had a table 
table, that I could mm. mingle with the guests, that I could drink with them as well. I wouldn't mm. go over the top, but I just wanted to capture the vibe and make friends and be part of the group so that I could mm. – um, go in and be part of it and I knew it was a good event and I'd done a good job if by the time I left mm. I, it was like it took me an hour to leave because I had to go around and say goodbye and give phone numbers and Dave thanks it was great good on you mate you know <laughs> but but that way they forget your camera's there and that's what you want to happen they forget you're there and you're just in the dance floor dancing with them but you've got your camera wide and you're shooting over people's shoulders and you're sort of capturing the whole yeah. vibe and uh, mood of the place so you're going to see a lot of that. So I see like family um, portrait photographers, maybe instead of doing the family as that posed uh, shot at the park, which I think you mm. should always get anyway, regardless of the trend. Same for wedding. Get a shot of the bride and groom. Just get a setup shot as well. Right. But um, as well as that, what you need to do is, um, you know, do a day in the life. So just, uh, you know, hang back and do sort of more of documentary style and record what's happening and just come in and try and maybe um, control it a bit. Uh, you might want to open up um, sections so that you can see people a bit better. You know, What do you mean open up to, sections? Well, so, you know, let's say you've got, uh, the, you know, the, the, the bride's getting ready at a wedding and you've got the bridesmaids all hanging around. There'll always be one that just stands right in front of your camera, you know. She might be blocking the light or something like You notice like that. You don't want to be that photographer that comes in and goes, okay, you stand there, you stand there. But you might want to maybe gently direct them to – how about we? How about we get you ready uh, over here? Because you know that the light's good, and you know that you've got space to get back, and you know that there's those beautiful double doors where you can shoot through. Right. And that's as much as you control it. And then you go, okay, guys, go. And then you're back shooting through, through, <laughs> through the doors with a long lens, and just letting them do their thing. So you've sort of nudged them into right. the right sort of area, but not not taking over, and then allow things to happen. You know. And sometimes I might, you know, just. Uh, you see that the dad and the daughter are about to have the moment before they, you know, go down. You've got to anticipate this sort of stuff. Yeah. And you want to be in a position where you want to be long lens shooting through something so that you can capture that exchange. It might be, yeah. you know, there might be tears or, or something like that. So it kind of is controlling it a bit, but you, you want to be in a position where you can capture it and mm. uh, and capture the sort of the genuine emotion that's there. So, um, yeah. Um, I love it. So what you're suggesting like is kind of, um, especially with the, bride, the bridesmaid scenario, uh, put them in or suggest gently guide them into positions that yeah. um, are going to be aesthetically okay, but then let yeah. them do their own thing. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the, the family shot of the kids cooking at home with mum, you know, it might be something that they do all the time, but, you know, you want to, like, you, you might notice that, like, when mum's standing there, there's, a, like, a big flower pot growing out of her head. So, like, yep. you do a quick quick check and you might get rid of a couple of things like that, not going over the board, overboard, but, or, you know, if you don't worry, want to worry about things like that, then maybe shoot with a really fast lens so you're throwing a lot of the background out of focus and it's doesn't matter yeah you know, or you really want to go full doco style and not worry about any of it and just look at capturing the emotion because also we can over sanitize photos and um you know when you look back uh in in 20 years at, at an image of uh, a get together it's the stuff that was left on the table that has all the memories oh look that's grandpa's pipe or do you yeah. remember the hat that he always used to wear oh he loved that coca cola all those little things help tell the story so you know uh, try try not to get rid of too much and over sanitize a shot and make it look too clinical in the end. I think that one of the things that you've also mentioned to me before is that because some people do like that, just naturally already like that authentic doco style look, right? Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've always remembered that you've told me before is that if you're going for the doco style look, which, you know, it's very much fly on the wall, it's very much um, like the opening credits of West Wing, I always say and it's you know like the white house photographer who gets all of those candid yes. shots is that you've also always said to me definitely get all of those candid shots especially you know and but if you're at like at a wedding or an event or whatever 
get the setup shots anyway. Even if the person has briefed you to do it full doco style, get the setup shots anyway and do the full doco style. And I I have to say that that is the absolute best advice. And if anyone listening has been briefed to do the doco style, definitely get the setup shots because I have in the past um, commissioned a photographer because I loved his doco style and uh, and that's why I commissioned him to to do a particular gig and when the shots came back they were all the shots he did take were brilliant they were in his in a very fantastic signature doco style but but there were basically there was a whole heap of shots missing because because he was shooting in a real scenario, not all of the real scenarios were the ones of the people who needed to be shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, that's a good point. Great advice, you know, in terms of get the setup shots anyway and then also do the doco style. So can't, can't hurt at all. It can't hurt. And it's mm. like there's always someone that will want those shots as well, even if the people commissioning you, if the couple just say, nah, we're not into those shots, I guarantee that, you yeah. know, 20 years They'll, they'll love them as well as yeah, the, for sure. the ones that capture the raw emotion. So, yeah. So um, what else we got? Okay. So when, you, when you're trying to really get that sort of in-the-moment style, look for things like um, uh, having uh, foreground elements. I think that's a really good way to make it feel like it's fly on the wall. That the, like, so you might have something that's out of, out of uh, focus in the foreground and things like that. That r- works really well to capture that in the moment as well as like a little bit of lens flare. There might be some movement. Um, in the shot as well. So that's a really good thing to look at. Uh, film, Val, to shoot mm-hmm. film and mm-hmm. get it to look good. And I think this definitely needs to be a whole show. Um, mm. I think and I think we'll cover it uh, as a whole show because it's very difficult uh, to shoot film. Uh, you've mm. got no chimping. Uh, it's so raw. So shall we do that as a, a separate show? I think so, absolutely. I mean, it's been years since I've shot film. I used mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, that was the only choice. But um, it's it's been years, so I think that would be great. I think a lot of people would find it interesting, especially yeah. some people yeah. who have never shot film before. Definitely. Um, the raw flash photography, uh, have a play around with it. Very easy to do. Put your flash back on your camera, which is mm. anti-everything I've said not to do. And mm. uh, have a play. Have a play with the raw flash. Have a play around with you just having uh, your model up against a, uh, a a plain wall just move in close and shoot uh, uh, flash uh, uh, just as you like everything you've been told not to do and yeah. uh, have a look if you like it and then play with the fill light so play with the shutter speed to bring in more fill light to reduce the uh, the shadow in the background play with reflectors uh, introduce another flash uh, have a muck around and this is perfect this perfect photography to uh, start to play with black and white as well and again black and white another entire show that we can dedicate yeah, to that yeah definitely if you want to get so, black and white, shoot raw, find high contrast uh, and look for shapes and textures and that's a good start for black and white but we can really get into it in yeah. another I think, Val. When you say, because a lot of these, as you say, were trends in the 90s and I remember them. Um, one of the trends in the 90s that you haven't mentioned, I'm curious to know whether you think that this is coming back as well, is remember how in the 90s there was a real trend towards cross-processing? Yeah. Is that coming back? Um, I've not seen it, but I I'm sure I'm sure we'll start yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Well we'll have a look out if if we're doing a nineties re- revival. But big anyway. In Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> so, um uh yeah, black and white, raw flash and yep. um yeah, fantastic. We should definitely do um Extra shows on whole shows on black and white and, and yes. film, as you've mentioned. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can wrap it up there if you like, Val. I could bang okay. on for another hour if you wanted me to. 
<laughs> All right. So um, what, how about you have a think of what hashtag Gina challenge is this week? Now, right. if you're new to this podcast, then we have a thing that we do every week called hashtag Gina challenge and then hashtag a particular theme or topic. And you can interpret that theme or topic however you like. And of course, what we do then is upload a photo and we tag it with hashtag Gina challenge and then hashtag that particular theme or topic into the Facebook group. Now you can find the Facebook group by searching for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and it's free to join. And it'd be great for you to um, jump in and um, put in your hashtag Gina challenge there. So what is hashtag Gina challenge for this week, Gina? Authenticity. Oh, I like it. Hashtag Mm. Gina challenge, hashtag authenticity. Interpret that however you like. And we'd love to see your shots on what you, what authenticity means to you. Awesome. Anyway, we also want to just give a big hello and shout out to everyone who is in our gold community. So this is the gold community at GinaMilitia.com. And if you want to check it out, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on join the communities to find out all about it. And it's an awesome membership program where you get access to Gina, not only get access to Gina where she can critique your photos, but uh, Gina also uploads regular tutorials every month on new topics. And And they're awesome because we take people behind the scenes on different shoots. Um, uh, We've taken people behind the scenes at uh, Australia's biggest awards, uh, television awards ceremony. And um, also there's a fantastic forum where you can ask your questions and Gina hangs out in that forum as well. So you can ask all of your curly questions about photography or cameras Mm. or gear or uh, the business of photography or whatever. So have a look at that at GinaMilitia.com. So, Gina, where do we Mm. find you online? Uh, Obviously at GinaMilitia.com, but where else? And you can find me on Instagram at GinaMilitia, so it's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and I'm also on Twitter at GinaMilitia. Brilliant. And um, you can find me on Instagram where I do not – Take lots of selfies <laughs> at Valerie oh, Val, Koo. I'm sorry. I shouldn't mm. give you a hard time. <laughs> yeah, no, you shouldn't. At Valerie it's Christmas Koo. too. I should be That's nice to you. K-H-O-O. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O, and, of course, hanging out in the Facebook group and the Gold community. Yes. So we just want to take this opportunity to wish you all happy holidays and uh, hope that you have a wonderful uh, holiday break and we look forward to chatting to you again just before the new year don't we Gina Mm -hmm. yes we will indeed all right so in the meantime happy holidays and thank you so much for listening and we'll chat to you again next week thanks guys happy holidays thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.